where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. As the vast majority of Canadians move away from using cash to pay for groceries, a new study shows that a significant number of Canadians believe grocery stores will be totally cashless within five years. With the federal government holding close to $200 billion over the heads of premiers for healthcare support, Justin Trudeau allegedly pressures premiers to adopt digital IDs to get some of that money. And finally, as our globalist overlords want to usher in a biodigital transhuman age, they are introducing new technologies that will monitor, map, and report on our mental activity. Now you might be thinking, that's just the plot of Minority Report, or Anon, or The Matrix, or Vanilla Sky, or Gattaca, or Total Recall. Nope, it's just Canada. It's February the 16th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo, that's Matt Halleck, and this is the Liberty Dispatch. Hey there, and welcome back to the Liberty Dispatch. We are so glad that you have joined us for another program. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you want to stay up to date with all the things we're doing here, we would suggest that you subscribe, that you rate, that you would review our content. That way, you can also hit the notification bell. You can stay up to date with everything we're going that's going on. And you can help get our content out to more people as well. Uh, we're over at YouTube at Liberty for Canada. Uh, that's YouTube.com at Liberty for at Liberty for Canada. And then also over at Rumble, rumble.com slash users slash Liberty Coalition Canada. You can check out all our various shows in those respective areas. Also, be sure to go over to the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. That's flfnetwork.com, flfnetwork.com. They also have a handy, wonderful app that you can get where you can get all our content on demand right on your phone through that app at the FLF Network app on your Google Play and your Apple App Store. Also, be sure to go over to our website, libertycoalitioncanada.com. That's libertycoalitioncanada.com to check out all things Liberty Coalition Canada over there also be sure to while you're over there um subscribe to our email list to stay up to date with everything that we've got going on and we would ask that you would prayerfully consider leaving a donation while you are there you can either scan the qr code at the bottom of the page or go to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate and if you want to directly support us uh feel free to click on the news and analysis tab there it'll help uh just take you right to a page where you can um, donate directly to us and also be sure to note if you want to give to the show and the commentary that you have to give through Christian week uh, who's partnered with us in our media. So 
please be sure to follow the prompts there if you're going to send in a check or any sort of cash payment. Make sure that you're stewarding your funds to where that you want them to go by following the instructions on the donation page. And if you have any questions, please reach out to us with donation questions at give at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Also, you can reach out to us at, if you have church-related questions. We would love to help get you in touch with a faithful church in your area. That's churches at libertycoalitioncanada.com. And as always, reach out to us directly at the show here at mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Andrew, you were telling me before we came on air that we're getting tons and tons of messages coming through mailbag and we're really looking forward to diving into that so we can interact with all our faithful listeners yeah our last episode the question we asked was when did you kind of wake up as to what was going on like when did you realize that this covid thing was all smoke and no fire and i received a couple interesting emails people saying it was it was at this point of this year, right, 2020 or 2021, and they realized something doesn't add up. And so it was interesting hearing some of those stories. So for uh, for this episode, we want to ask you to reach out to us, mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com. And the question we're wondering is, what is the most terrifying technological advancement that you know about that's just over the horizon? So think about whatever kind of brain chip surveillance satellite whatever um that you know of one particular piece of technological advancement that you go that's pretty dystopian and uh, <laughs> let us know what that is and the one that gets the most amount of votes i don't know we'll get a thorough condemnation on our next episode i guess that makes sense <laughs> if quick, we haven't real already quick, covered it if we haven't already <laughs> real quick housekeeping thing for with donations uh because we're getting some checks sent in that are made out to the wrong thing and people are expecting charitable receipts but they're giving it to the wrong spot so i mean we, this is on our website and we'll we'll try to clean it up a little bit even in the shows but essentially if you would like to receive a charitable receipt for your donation and the only way that you can receive a charitable receipt for your donation is if it is by check or e-transfer made out to christian week or online through the analysis shows tab that's the only way to receive a charitable tax receipt is it needs to be made out to christian week by check or e-transfer or you go to the analysis shows tab on the donate page and that's because christian week is our partner in media they're producing our shows and so all of the donations for the analysis shows and that receive a charitable receipt go to them other donations whether that's to the liberty defense fund or josh alexander's case in particular our advocacy initiatives, or just to our general fund, those are the ones that are made out to Liberty Coalition Canada, either by check or by e-transfer. And then again, online, you'll see their other designations for Liberty Defense, general fund, or advocacy. So just want to make sure that we're clear. Mm -hmm. If it's given to, if it's made out to Liberty Coalition Canada, then it will not receive a charitable receipt. The only way is it has to be made out to Christian Week and on the website through analysis shows. So tidy up some of that stuff. Any questions you can reach out to us, but we're going to try to keep clarifying that as, uh, as the days move on, you know, Matt, it's a little known fact that the rise of coffee drinking in North America was tied to the fight for Liberty. 
Following the Boston Tea Party, American patriots saw it as their civic duty to wean themselves off of tea in order to stick it to King George and his unlawful taxes. John Adams, who would become the second president of the United States, told his wife in a letter, tea must be universally renounced. I must be weaned, and the sooner, the better. Today, you'd never know about this connection to freedom since the coffee industry is usually associated with progressive ideologies. However, Resistance Coffee Company is bringing back the connection between coffee and liberty. That's why they give a portion of every sale to organizations fighting for the constitutional freedoms of Canadians. Resistance Coffee carefully roasts only specialty-grade coffee beans, which means you're getting the very best coffee as well. Head over to resistancecoffee.com LCC to get 10% off your first purchase and keep using that slash LCC so that they know we sent you. By the way, you, you need to head over there now because a bunch of their merch, a lot of their shirts are on sale. And so you need to go grab them before they don't have your sizes anymore or before it's a long time before you get them. I've I already called up the boys at Resistance and made sure to get two more shirts that will be arriving hopefully soon. So resistancecoffee.com slash LCC. So if you're smart, you buy your coffee online <laughs> from our Resistance friends. Yes. And uh, while, we're, while we're talking about food purchases in a digital age, our first World's story... It's changing, Andrew. It's changing. Our first story changing. comes from a National Post article that kind of broke it. And it's based on a study from Dalhousie University in Halifax. It was a nationwide study titled Cashed Out. How a Cashless Economy Impacts Your Grocery Experience, a Canadian Perspective. So what we want to do is we want to show you some of the results of the survey and the study, and we want to highlight them and then their implications. So we want to put this first graph first, and you'll see here that on average, about 6% of Canadians still pay for groceries with cash. Only 6%. Mm -hmm. Of Canadians pay with cash. Man, now, Manitoba, what's going on in Manitoba? Twice, that's well, twice the national know, average. <laughs> I was thinking about this when I was prepping this episode. Manitoba has the three back-to-back-to-back -back -back ridings that had the highest percentage of PPC votes in the country. Mm -hmm. So, Southern Manitoba seems to be seems to be freedom country. So they have the highest at thirteen percent, but that's still eighty-seven percent of Manitobans not using cash. Mm -hmm. So what's interesting to note in the study is 74% of Canadians believe that using cash is inconvenient. Now, that word is going to be popping up over and over again in our episode today. Mm -hmm. Convenience, inconvenience, ease of access, because, spoiler alert, our, our elitists are using convenience to move us towards things that would mean more control for them. So they're hey, leveraging wait, us not hey, wanting to be hey, inconvenienced. Hey, don't be a conspiracy theory. That's right. Convenience sorry. and comfort <laughs> has never been used never. Never. in the history of humanity not during as the a French tool Revolution. for totalitarian control. Not, not during, during Rome in the nope. <laughs> the imperial stages. Never, Andrew. So don't don't worry. I'm watching you. I just putting you on alert. So if you if you hear that word a lot, we're being intentional. So, but they believe that <laughs> three three out of every four Canadian believes that using cash is inconvenient. Mm -hmm. But also, only twenty seven. So only twenty seven percent of the Canadians believe that it's outdated, which is an interesting okay. flip. 
So only a quarter of Canadians think it's that it's outdated altogether. So mm. it's an interesting. I think that's an interesting juxtaposition of numbers. Yeah, which would would generally lead one to believe that people think the options should exist. They might not think it's the most convenient option, but that we shouldn't get rid of it. Right. Um, that's, Sounds like freedom to me. Yeah, ex exactly. So um, it's interesting how many people pay with groceries with credit card. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess that's because they give you kickbacks and points and stuff like that. Exactly. So it's it's you part get your of that. Certain certain credit cards will give you a higher percentage cash cash back on grocery yeah. stores. Yeah, Again, and I wonder. I wonder another, if a lot of people are shopping carrot. at Costco too. Another bit of carrot there. <laughs> yeah, because then in front of you, then they hope you don't pay it off, and they can make money off of you uh, with with interest, right? Because they're trying to get your most um, common and most frequent payment to be made on credit cards. So then they can give you point systems that are so terrible so they can make a bunch of money off you. That's essentially the racket that's being run. But nevertheless, although I, although I was intrigued my, to see how many people pay with credit card. My point program is every million dollars I spend, I get one free meal at this restaurant. So that's worth it. That's sick. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's put the second <laughs> graph up here. Uh, 73% of Canadians believe that grocery stores not accepting cash can be discriminatory. So I, that's mm -hmm. good. That's mm -hmm. good that it's that high. Well, so, Finally, so that, oh, that would be consonant, Andrew, with kind of that, um, that sentiment that was at about roughly one third, like 27% or whatever you said, uh -huh. um, of people thinking it's outdated, right? So that's kind of, yep. this is where these numbers are starting to show. Okay. Yeah. 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 Interestingly, Manitoba, despite being the highest cash payment, is the lowest on on thinking that this would be uh, discriminatory. I, I find yes. that very fascinating. Libertarians. Okay, so <laughs> finally, 26% of Canadians believe that within five years, grocery stores will no longer accept cash. That's, mm. a, that's a high percentage of... Canadians. Um, yeah. Economics professor at Concordia University, Mosh Lander, he argues that card payments are not only convenient, but also cost effective. He says this, quote, any store these days will pretty much accept debit and credit technology. And the cost has come down enough that from their standpoint, it's most efficient. There is again, efficient, convenient, and you see it again. They don't have to deal with Brinks trucks coming in, dropping off cash, picking it up, moving it to bank accounts. It's a much smoother system. He continues, I think that other than maybe a few underbanked, unbanked, and maybe senior citizens, they're, they're still a little bit skeptical about debit and credit technology. We're not far away from being done with cash for good, says economics professor and economist Mosh Lander at Concordia. So Matt, does it matter if we go cashless i mean what what does that what does that lead to if we if we just move into a cashless world well andrew i'm going to withhold comments for the time being and i'm going to let the bank of canada answer that for us hey mark hello do you know what fintech is <clears throat> uh, lucy how about you Okay then, what about tap and go? Do you know what that is? All right, now we're getting somewhere. Because if you know what tap and go is, 
you're halfway to knowing what fintech is. Hey, back here. I said halfway. Ready to learn? Great! Now, the first thing we need to be clear about is that the word fintech is an abbreviation. It's short for financial technology. Why that's a term that means a whole bunch of things, including better ways of moving money around. And that's what we'll look at today. Everything from using digital currencies to paying for things with your phone and much, much more. Global investment in the fintech sector has reached almost $100 billion since 2010. If you look at 20 of the world's major economies, you will see that about 30% of their citizens use at least two different kinds of fintech services. In China and India, over 50% of consumers use tools like money transfers and borrowing and financial planning services, which are part of fintech. Many businesses whose models were based on the use of cash are adapting to the change. More and more, the traditional banking payment services that baby boomers grew up with are changing. Today, it's not unusual to see iPads equipped with card readers, (laughs) retail outlets and services that only exist online, or people paying bills using e-transfers. The rise of peer-to-peer payment platforms has meant that people can make payments without going through a bank or using cash. It's made paying for things more convenient, especially Ooh, online. However, fintech payments also have their issues. As more payment systems go digital, cyber attacks become a bigger risk. Digital currencies like Bitcoin are not accepted in most places, and their value can go up and down like a yo-yo. Fintech is changing the way the world operates financially, and the opportunities are exciting. Nevertheless, its challenges are real, and they're only going to get bigger as more of the world embraces it. At the Bank of Canada, we are taking all the trends around fintech payment very seriously, and we will continue researching its effects. Money keeps changing, but here's what isn't changing. Supply in the Canadian dollars people need to carry out their business is, and will continue to be, one of the bank's important mandates. And why not? Not only are our banknotes beautiful, they are secure, widely accepted, and stable in value. After all, they're backed (laughs) by the Bank of Canada. Stable in value. Yeah, very good. I'll, I'll just note quickly that the reason why they're discouraging people from embracing Bitcoin and, oh, mm-hmm. it's just not accepted everywhere. It's up and down is because it's purely peer-to-peer freedom, can't be controlled, can't be monitored. That's why they hate it so much. But in, in any event. Well, Andrew, A lot of this technology is indeed convenient, but the question is, where is this going? Well, the the Bank of Canada did acknowledge some issues that might be there as it pertains to fintech. Um, It's important for us to think consequentially. Think how how are we going to get from, you know, fintech and implementing a lot of this stuff for the sake of convenient to where it could potentially go and where it could potentially go wrong. So that's what I want to think about next. Where this goes, Andrew, is, uh, I, I believe, central bank digital currency. So that's CBDC. And to help us understand what CBDC, central bank digital currency, is, let us again turn to the Bank of Canada for the answer. And this is what they say. Simply put, a CBDC is digital money issued by a central bank. 
If a Canadian CBDC were issued, individuals and businesses could use it to pay for products or services using a mobile phone or a special card or device. It would be like cash, but with the added benefit of being able to be used online. This official digital currency would retain its face value in Canadian dollars because it is issued by the Bank of Canada, just like banknotes. Now, you might be thinking to yourself... While cash can be anonymous, it seems like CBDC is easily traceable and easy to be manipulated by the same state actors who are issuing the currency, and you would indeed be correct. Anyone who has ever watched any police show knows that the first thing that they check when looking for a fugitive is where they have used their credit cards and other digital payments uh, systems and digital platforms. Using cash makes it difficult to track people. And that's why all sorts of nefarious people use it for bad ends. But nevertheless, it does help you uh stay off the radar and i'm sure that will be argued eventually is oh look at all these bad people using cash for bad purposes therefore we have to get rid of cash because it'll help law enforcement crack down anyways so then you also might be thinking recently hmm can we think of a scenario where a federal government was tracking canadians location through their phones And they also froze numerous bank accounts for political opposition to the the current standing government. Yeah, if we move to a CBDC, wouldn't that allow the state even greater control and ability to lock out people's funds at will? You'd also be correct if that's, again, what you were thinking. And this is precisely why... They want to move, and by they, I mean state actors, state officials, um, globalist elites who want to create a technocratic state um, on a global scale, why they want to move to a CBDC. Therefore, the more businesses like grocery stores, especially grocery stores, because those are such, you know, buying groceries is a common everyday reality and purchase for Canadian citizens, the more these stores go cashless, the more incentive the state now has to mandate and phase out cash, right? Mandate cashless societies and phase out cash. And as we're going to see, the digital tyranny revolution is about much more than just your money. That is a huge way that they can control you, mind you, but it's about more than that. We're going to be talking about your health information, your travel information, your economic information, your entire life. It will be monitored and controlled by the same people who told us to take the same experimental drug gene therapy that we've talked about over and over again on the program and to 
told us to stay home and locked us in our homes for years on end only to destroy the fabric of our society only to lead to record inflation um tons of political instability these same people are the same people who want to be the ones on the back end controlling all the things that make your life possible in this sense and all for our good yes that's of course we Andrew. all of for course. our good and for our safety Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Well, if you're listening to our program, you're probably someone that works very hard to provide for your family. Whether that's inside the home or outside, no one has an audience that works harder than, than this one. We know that. But here's a couple of important questions. Are you saving for your children? I mean, the scriptures say that a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children and his children's children. Do you know what you'll be able to leave for your children and your grandchildren? Rocklink is a Christian firm through and through, and they take the biblical command to plan for the future and by God's grace, leave an inheritance for your children. Send them an email today and ask about how they can partner with your family. Email Rocklink at info at rocklink.com or visit them www.rocklink.com. That's link with a C. So we wanted to mention the story about the survey in the grocery stores, that was really the appetite or so that was the appetizer. Mm -hmm. That was just our way of setting it up because this is just one example of incentivizing a more digital life. This is one of the ways of saying we can phase out physical cash mm -hmm. and move to a more digital way of life and payments and actually living. So appetizer out of the way, we need to get to the the Marxist main course. It's where we want to move next. <laughs> yes. I, I did just want to interject again. There's one thing to be said for using convenient fintech, but there's another thing for moving to a place where you no longer have an option, mm -hmm. but to engage in that type of behavior even with the downsides that the Bank of Canada is talking about, um, even against your will in many cases. So we have to understand that I'm I'm all I'm a kind of nerd techie geek guy who likes all that stuff. But it doesn't mean it ought to be mandated on people. So I want people to keep that in their minds as we're walking through um, these stories. We should. Um, so we'll, we'll try to remember to link to an episode of. The Leadership Now podcast with Aaron Rock. And if you don't listen to him, I don't know what's wrong with you. You should. Get um, but a couple episodes ago, he specifically talked about digital ID, digital currency. And then at the end of the episode, he offered a number of very practical tips and strategies and things to be aware of. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, I'll let Aaron take that. I, I won't take his words and he says it better than I could because he also says it in a much less inflammatory way than I could. <laughs> but go listen to that podcast. It's two or three episodes ago. It's specifically about digital ID, digital currency, mm -hmm. leadership. Now you can find it at pursuitofglory.com. That's where he hosts his blog and his podcast. So on to the Marxist main event. Okay. The main course. Here we go. I hope your appetite has been wet. Now we're going to focus just on Ontario, right? I mean, this applies to every province, though, except for Alberta and Saskatchewan, who at least their premiers have said, no, 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 we're not we're not moving forward with the digital ID thing, which is good for now. We'll see how long that that lasts. But this mm -hmm. could apply to any of the other provinces. So 
let's watch another seemingly benign video mm-hmm. that is ultimately aimed at desensitizing us to the coming tyranny. And I'll say again, they may not use the word convenience mm-hmm. or efficiency, but you'll see again, what is the, what is the general tenor of the pitch? So they're pitching something to Canadians Mm-hmm. And what is it that they're saying, this is why you need to do this, or this is why we need to move here, because the alternative will be, and you'll see, and that's why, keep your ears open, because this theme is reoccurring in our episode. Sometimes, applying for government benefits can be a lengthy and complicated process. The government of Canada's vision is to enable Canadians to use trusted digital identities for quick and easy access to online services. Emily's having a baby soon and is applying for benefits. Today, she has to complete an online application form, then wait 5 to 10 days for an access code. When it arrives in the mail, she will use it to create an account and set up direct deposit. What if she could do all this at once, from any device? She'd confirm who she is using her provincial or territorial trusted digital ID, consent to using personal information from her digital ID, and may choose to receive notifications. Once approved, she'd decide how to get paid. That's it. The government's goal is to enable simple, fast and convenient access to services anytime, anywhere, on any device. We're working with government and the private sector to build the foundation and standards for digital identity across Canada and internationally. The future is closer than you think. Hmm. That's that public-private partnership we've been seeing. Depending on who you are in our audience, so some some of you might think, I've heard a little bit about digital ID, I don't know. Whereas others of you already have five years of food stored up and <laughs> lots of gold, silver, whiskey, bullets, and cash under your mattress. So that's the, that's the range of our audience. Yeah. So I want to I want to try to to hit everyone because mm-hmm. we need to address the issue. What is digital ID? So I I don't want to I don't want to speculate. This is right from the Ontario government website, and the links are all in the show notes as well. Quote. Digital ID is an electronic version of trusted government identification that provides better safety, more security, and stronger privacy than physical identification cards or documents. It can be securely stored on a digital wallet app for smartphones and other digital devices, like tablets or computers, and will let people and businesses prove who they are both online and in person Digital ID is the foundation that will enable easier access to online services and make Ontario one of the world's most digitally advanced jurisdictions with the value for Ontarians, businesses, and the government that is estimated at $20 billion. So they say digital ID is convenient. There's that word again. Secure, yeah, okay, for people running the program, probably, and voluntary, just like the jabs were voluntary unless you wanted to go to the movie or travel on a plane or go visit your elderly grandparents. So that's what they're saying. Now, if you're not worried yet, here's a list of examples directly from the Ontario website as for uses of the digital ID. So first you have banking, open a bank account, apply for a personal or mortgage loan, apply for a business account. Insurance, apply for insurance products, make an insurance claim. Other, purchase or sell real estate, purchase or rent or sell a vehicle. Healthcare, make an appointment, pick up a prescription, 
access and use vaccination records, access medical records, government services for individuals. You can get and renew or replace a driver's license, apply for and renew or replace a health card, get a hunting or fishing license, apply for OSAP, apply for provincial benefits or tax credits, apply for child support. If you're operating a business, you can rent properties or vehicles for a business, conduct employee background checks, execute digital contracts, request and send digital signatures, receive online payments. I'm just, my, my heart is racing. Just, I'm reading this. Government services for businesses. You can get business registration, permits and or licenses, file your taxes, like, like everything. Absolutely everything, everything Andrew. <laughs> That's, and that is what, this is all leading towards and apparently this is the huge selling feature andrew of digital ids is with one identification in a convenient location you can take part in anything that you want to do so it's not as cumbersome it's not as burdensome it's very convenient mm -hmm. and you can, in the palm of your hand, have your entire life in all its spheres. And that's the reality of what is being sold to the Canadian public, what is being sold to um, citizens across the globe in their various different countries, is that when it pertains to education, business, health, and finances, you can have it in all one convenient place. Now, the flip side of that is the state gets to monitor all of it. The state would have the ability to control all of it and the ability to manipulate it at their will. That is what is the flip side of all this happy, clappy talk that is going on in these quaint and cute and vibrant um, animated and structural instructional videos the digital id program in ontario which was supposed to launch in the late 2021 but in november of that year the province said it had to be delayed due to the development of ontario's proof of vaccination app so get that they wanted to implement this, but because they didn't have that component, they couldn't go ahead on it. Now, when they say delayed, what they mean is perfected. That's what they mean. The proof of vaccination app was the beta testing for the digital ID along with Arrive Can. That was another trial run for digital ID in Canada, which was an insane failure um, when it talks about convenience when they talk about ease when they talk about security none of those things were people's experience with arrive can so i just want to throw that out there and just in case anyone forgets the whole digital id scheme is indeed the brainchild of our global overlords our betters in the World Economic Forum, the WEF. And Andrew, you've put together this come straight from the WEF as it mm -hmm. pertains to 
this new digital identification and how it would be the central hub of a wheel for everything that you want to do in life. And this is, again, it's it's set on the backdrop of a corporate-looking presentation mm-hmm. that you would see a slick looking powerpoint online it's interactive this this i, I when you go there on the go. wf website and you pull this will have a link <laughs> you can actually click on the different things and explore oh, them and beautiful. it's very fun yeah it's like it's like being yes. in a, it's like being in a video game it's it's pretty it's so fun and intuitive yeah yeah we've linked it, this is in a document that we've linked to that outlines the specifics of what is the digital identity what are the benefits and how it's going to work but like, look, this is this is your whole life. This is everything. They they want they want it all. <laughs> they want it all. You see up there in the left, smart cities too. We've talked about that at length. So you like you think a smart city in and of itself is a massive, massive control mechanism to lock people into these fifteen minute zones. And in Oxfordshire in twenty twenty four, they're going to secure these zones by electric fences, electronic gates. And so there, they're just like, oh yeah, one little thing, small cities. That is. That is massively dystopian. And that's just one part of this wheel of tyranny that you see before you here. Yeah, absolutely. And the WEF recognizes that this this will be the central hub of people basically participating in the new fourth industrial revolution, in the new digital economy. This will be how things work. Um, so the four main major areas that the WEF acknowledges that this digital ID will help um, improve our financial services so that all your money will be controlled through a CBDC, a central bank digital currency we talked about, mobility so that your your movements, your traveling, right? If we look down kind of the bottom right of the screen, it says travel and mobility. So that would be linked to your your digital identification, so you would no longer to be able to do those things without um, this this specific uh, identification. Um, so the concept of the known traveler digital ID, which is KTDI. Um, so we're all talking about like you being able to freely move, which we've seen has been restricted by governments over covid and how much easier that would be if they had all your um, information everything that this digital identity entails which is access to telecommunications smart cities healthcare, financial services food and sustainability travel and mobility what happens if the government had easy access to all these things so for your own benefit and for your own safety and for the safety of the the overall society, they could just manipulate that at will. Healthcare is also on there, Andrew. Um, so if you want to get healthcare, health insurance, um, if if you want to be able to, you know, even wear devices that would help improve your health or whatever it might be, if you want to get treatments. You'll need a digital basic ID here. Um, Gig sharing economy, which has to do with peer-to-peer sharing um, of information. Uh, We're talking about individuals and businesses engaging in the economy. Well, this all seems okay and fun and convenient. Again, we have to 
we have to pose the question, though you might be intrigued by this tech technology, though you might like to do digital um, apps and services and, and you per personally prefer cashless um, things, what happens when this is mandated and totally centralized is the question that we need to raise and we need to think about what this will mean for us moving forward because and the p2p quickly that p2p yeah. thing it seems benign but i just want to i want to help people understand why it's not because yeah. you would think oh yeah peer to peer that's just like so matt you and i like i would share information to you mm -hmm. peer to peer just you and i digitally and it would be sensitive information or whatever okay so that's fine what's the big deal well the, the big deal is the various apps that we'll be using to share the information have been created by the state who probably paid for some contractors to create it. The only real secure peer to peer is if you and I meet in the park somewhere and have a conversation, right? Like yes. it's, and this is something we've seen in the last three mm -hmm. years, the discouragement of physical in-person interaction, because it allows you to either a make sure that everything can be monitored or mm -hmm. B, it prevents real life relationship and interaction, which means conversation and which means this good stuff. So the peer to peer this, stuff is, is pretty scary too. This is definitely, despite the benign language, despite selling it through convenience is again, we jokingly said convenience and comfort has never been used as a tool to control people in history. <laughs> the, the reality is the very opposite that this is mm -hmm. generally the tool of tyrants. And we have to understand the the nefarious ways that, the centralizing of all information and and, and act like the net like having one id where you can access all these things government telecommunications smart cities healthcare financial services not only if you know the bank of canada said oh what about cyber attacks yeah not only is it easy to steal your identity because it's far easier to steal your identity if you're a hacker um, online than it is to steal a physical license or or anything like that. And the also something that should be noted is if you lose your license, if you don't have that physical thing on you, you can recognize that more readily and then uh, communicate to whoever you have to that, hey, my license has been stolen. And then that's recorded and people know that you no longer have that. But the the crazy part is you can have your identity stolen in this way without you even really knowing it. And mm -hmm. the government, again, can use this for nefarious pur purposes unless, you know, maybe there's some people who are listening who are like, you guys are crazy conspiracy theorists talking about how this could be used for bad purposes. No, our government is benevolent they're gonna look out for you that would never happen these sorts of things government's not going to use them as a way to control its citizens the only problem is that is what's happened and that mm -hmm. is what's happening and we don't have to look any farther than what's happening in Brazil. So if you if you want a real picture of the real horror show that a digital ID full on 
could mean look no further than Brazil, whose newly elected president, Lula da Silva, an open, avowed socialist, i.e. Marxist, and a globalist, he has a new bio page on the WEF. So he's one of their their recruits. He's he's all for this global digital algorithmic agenda. And he is reintroducing the Balsas Familia, a social welfare program for the poorest families in Brazil, a kind of like UBI, which we've talked about on the program, a universal basic in- income. And this is what the Supreme Leader De Silva had to say about this program just this past week. The Bolsa Familia is coming back, and it is coming back with something important. It is coming back with conditions. The children have to be in school. If they are not in school, the mother loses the benefit. I'm assuming that's a state-run, state-funded school, which has that ever led to anything bad? Mm, I'll let you think on that. The children have to be vaccinated, which if you would think that, oh, maybe that doesn't include COVID vaccines, look no further than Canada or the CDC recommendations, which has now put the new experimental gene therapies in their list of preferred vaccines for children. Moving on, if they don't have a vaccination certificate, the mother will lose the benefit. So there you have it, Andrew. Um, all of this, all of these carrots that the the government want to give out to people is is right behind that carrot is mm-hmm. the stick. And the stick is what? Giving up your bodily autonomy. It's giving up your right to your own person. Are you going to make that for the ease of comfort and privilege and benefits that the government's going to give you? Mm-hmm. Are you going to... The stick is, we're going to control your body. We're going to tell you what to put in it from here on out. And the sad part is, for the sake of convenience, a lot of people will give up that that huge right for just getting government handouts. And that's, and that's pretty that's so brazen. That's like he's sick. he's also I mean, that's pretty outright. Like he's yeah. to come right out and say, you know, you, you can't get this social welfare program mm-hmm. unless your kids are in state run indoctrination centers and they're vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty, pretty forthright in terms of the Brazilian totalitarianism. Yeah. Now, our prime tyrant, Justin Trudeau, is a wee bit slimy. He's a little bit. Like yeah, there's serpent. there's 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 a reason why he's Klaus Schwab's um, favorite protege, I would say, is because he's 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 much better at his wordsmithing. Now, let's watch some clips from his press conference. This is last week. I'm sure you've heard about this, but mm-hmm. um, Justin Trudeau met with all of the premiers in the country to talk about healthcare funding. And so after threatening, so, no, sorry, negotiating, not threatening, negotiating, <laughs> allegedly threatening the premiers for healthcare funding. Let's watch these clips together. 
This afternoon, I worked with all 13 of Canada's premiers to tackle one of the most important issues facing Canadians, strengthening publicly funded universal health care across this country. Tearing down universal health care. Deliver health care with support from federal funding, which ensures that our collective we commitment stay to the a Marxist country is upheld. To help ensure that, we're announcing that the federal government will be providing 198 billion dollars a beautiful in additional federal Ooh. health funding over the just next couldn't go all the way to 200 just couldn't get this all the way to that 200 planned million, increases eh? to the canada health transfer and new funding of 48 billion over the next 10 years there are negotiations about to start with the provinces on how uh, they want to make sure that they're hitting those four priority areas we're facing negotiations we put forward the fiscal frame uh, that the federal government has and the investments uh, that we're putting on the table. This is uh, the offer we put forward on the table. This is the billions of dollars that are there for provinces. And we certainly look forward to working with them to be able to deliver not just that money, but those health care improvements to citizens across the country. Man, it's it's awesome. to. He has an awesome job. He gets to pretend that he's giving the provinces money. <laughs> I'm the superhero here. Look at our wonderful government. Look at the action we're taking. We're giving billions to the province. Uh, sir, how, who, who's paying that? How are you getting that money? Don't ask that yeah. question. Yeah. Now, the reason why the reason why I said he's it's he's a little bit little bit slitherier. Mm -hmm. That's a word is, you know, you watch that press conference. It kind of seems like, OK, well, he's basically saying we have money to give. And we're negotiating, right? Like maybe the maybe the premiers are coming back saying, well, we need more. And some premiers did. Some premiers said, well, we were hoping for more. We were expecting for more because everyone's a socialist yeah. in Canada. Now, well, here's what they don't tell you. They're, they're damned fools who don't understand it's yeah. the system that it leads to all these shortages. And it's socialized medicine, universal funded, publicly funded health care. That's the problem. It's not continuing to throw money at this at it to find a solution yeah. now the problem is the system itself as it pertains to how we administer health care in canada but anyway so here's what here's what the general population doesn't know that the federal government also supplied reporters with a background document as well so they gave them a supplementary document that obviously we didn't see and that we haven't heard about unless you've done some digging and it's in that document that we find this little turd, quote, to access the enhanced Canada Health Transfer, provinces must first commit to improving how health data is collected, shared, used, and reported to Canadians to promote greater transparency on results and to help manage public health emergencies. In other words, as many have been speculating, and there's been a number of videos that have popped up on social media, it seems that our prime fascist is withholding or threatened to withhold federal health care funding unless premiers agree to not only implement a digital ID program, but then collect and share information with the federal government, which, by the way, 
is technically against the law. That seems to be what's going on. Now that now that's not as overt as you can't get the UBI unless your kids are jabbed and they're in <laughs> indoctrination centers. That's very overt. But in a much more shady way, still he's, he's saying <laughs> you're not going to get the money that you need for healthcare funding unless you pony up the personal private medical information of the people in your province and you need to do a better job of collecting it and sharing it. That's mm -hmm. so it here we are. Here yeah. we are. Yeah, exactly. So again, as we talked about, hey, are you going to give up your your bodily autonomy as it pertains to what you're choosing to put in your body for government handouts? That's the question. Are we going to accept this federal funding so that our government can install programs to, again, centralize all our information into this digital ID program, which is going to come with all sorts of drawbacks and all sorts of concerns like we've been talking about throughout the program. That's the carrot. That's the stick. Our government, this is, this is how totalitarian, soft totalitarian governments work. They use the carrot and the stick in the same way that, listen, provinces, it's the provincial purview to deal with health care. And mm -hmm. sadly, many of our provinces are totally inept um, at dealing with, with the healthcare provincially any province could go to a privatized healthcare system or a dual payer healthcare system tomorrow. The only reason why no provinces have taken that ballsy step yet, despite the fact that our, you know, single payer government funded health universal healthcare is total garbage is because they get federal funding mm -hmm. for their healthcare systems. So they allow all sorts of evils to take place in our healthcare systems, um, including staying with a socialized Marxist healthcare system um, forwarded by open communists um, that has been terrible and has fallen apart in just a few decades. They'll go with that as long as they're getting federal money. They go along with abortion as long as they get federal money. All these things, they continue to per perpetuate as long as they get money from citizens who are not theirs so they can increase their coffers and supposedly provide better services. But we know that the market is far better at doing those things than our useless, idiotic bureaucrats who suck up a bunch of that money into their own personal piggy banks. But that's where we are. The carrot and the stick, it's strong in Canada. Well, while we're on the topic of our federal government, it appears that their response to economic difficulties is to print money until it's worthless, driving up the cost of everything, essentially stealing from your hard-earned pay. They also want, as we've seen, to monitor your spending through a CBDC, a centralized digital currency. And they obviously want to control and monitor us through digital ID. So what we need to do is we need to take control of our own resources and be responsible for our own money, which is our responsibility. Bull Bitcoin wants to help you do just that. 
Bull Bitcoin is a 100% self-funded, freedom-minded Canadian Bitcoin exchange that wants to protect your financial freedom and help you protect your resources. You should consider connecting with our friends over at Bull Bitcoin. Sign up at mission.bullbitcoin.com and have all of your questions answered. Again, that's mission.bullbitcoin.com. So in terms of the progression of this episode, right? Act one was <laughs> here's a little bit of an appetizer. Here's a here's an idea of here's here's a very practical what it looks like in terms of a next thing that we'll see. Mm -hmm. And then the main course is, okay, so what, what's, what's really driving it? What's the real goal, right? What is it that wants to be implemented? Now, the way we want to, we want to finish off our episode by saying, once that behemoth is in place, mm -hmm. once the digital ID program is established, once the central digital bank currency is established, what then, mm -hmm. what could possibly be the next level of control and techno manipulation from the state. And that's exactly how we want to finish off our episode. We want to say this is where this thing goes. And as we'll see, in many ways, this is where this thing already is. Mm. Absolutely. And, you know, digital ID will lead to the social credit score, which will lead to what we're about to see from again our friends over at the wef and less than anybody thinks this is a conspiracy theory we'll we'll play you the videos that they're putting out there okay so everything that we've discussed so far even though it seems intrusive and you know hyper surveillant and kind of creepy at least they can't read your thoughts and your minds and monitor your biometric data. I mean, as bad as the central bank digital currency, eventually a social credit system, digital ideas, all of these are bad things, sure. But your mind is private and secure. Your thoughts are protected, right? Well, Andrew... People might not believe this, but let us show yet another video of where this can lead. Sensing your joy, your playlist shifts to your favorite song. Sending chills up your spine as the music begins to play. You glance at the program running in the background on your computer screen and notice a now familiar sight that appears whenever you're overloaded with pleasure your theta brainwave activity decreasing in the temporal regions of your brain. You mentally move the cursor to the left and scroll through your brain data over the past few hours. You can see your stress levels rising as the deadline to finish your memo approached, causing a peak in your beta brainwave activity right before an alert popped up, telling you to take a brain break. Your mind starts to wander to the new colleague on your team, whom you know you shouldn't be daydreaming about, given the policy against intra-office romance. But you can't help fantasizing just a little. But then you start to worry that your boss will notice your amorous feelings when she checks your brain activity and shift your attention back to the present. 
You breathe a sigh of relief when the email she sends you later that way, day like, congratulates you on your brain pull, driving, from the pull past over quarter, and just, which have earned you another performance bonus. When you oh arrive at work the next day, there's a, a for you. cloud has fallen over the office. Along with emails, text messages, and GPS location data, the government has subpoenaed employees' brainwave data from the past year. They have compelling evidence that one of your coworkers has committed massive wire fraud. Now, they're looking for his co-conspirators. You discover they are looking for synchronized brain activity between your coworker and the people he has been working with. While you know you're innocent of any crime, you've been secretly working with him on a new startup venture. Shaking, you remove your earbuds. You may be surprised to learn that it's a future that has already arrived. Everything in that video that you just saw is based on technology that is already here today. Artificial intelligence has enabled advances in decoding brain activity in ways that we never before thought possible. After all, what you think, what you feel, it's all just data. Data that in large pattern. This is, this is, this is the rotten fruit of Darwinian evolution. Okay. Mm -hmm. Human beings are just animals. Mm -hmm. Human beings are just the process of, of, of time and chance mm -hmm. and everything in your, everything that happens in your brain, right? It, you, you don't have a soul. Mm -hmm. You don't have a mind that has been mm -hmm. given to you in the image of God. It's mm -hmm. just data. This is fatalistic, materialistic, God denying pagan cosmology that rejects the fact that humans are made in the image of God. So we have souls and we have minds and we have an immaterial part to our body, right? Everything you're, everything we're seeing, all this, even this digital Marxist revolution, mm -hmm. this all comes from seeing human beings as nothing more than processes of time and chance. You just highly evolved bags of carbon. Let's, mm -hmm. let's continue. This can be decoded using artificial intelligence. We're not talking about implanted devices of the future. I'm talking about oh, yeah, wearable no. devices. Yeah. Not in your like brain, Fitbit's just in your ears. Brain. That's all. The newest way to monitor attention is through a device like this one. These are ear pods that are launching later this year. These later this year, like the video you watched earlier, are ear pods that can pick up brainwave activity and tell whether or not a person is paying attention or their mind is wandering. Okay, well, you might think, fine. But even if we can tell whether a person is paying attention or their mind is wandering, you can't tell what they're paying attention to. You would be wrong. It turns out that you can not only tell whether, whether a person is paying attention you would be wrong. or their mind is wandering, but you can discriminate between the kinds of things that they're paying attention to. Whether they're doing something like central tasks, like programming, peripheral tasks, like writing documentation, or unrelated tasks, like surfing social media or online browsing. When you combine brainwave activity together with other forms of software and surveillance technology, the power becomes quite precise. So what do we do with this? What do we do with technology that enables us to monitor brainwave activity for attention? Hmm, throw it in the garbage. It? Do we resist it? Yep. I believe that there is a pathway forward with such technology. We might soon even use the technology to help people wake back up. 
This is a haptic scarf that MIT Media Lab has developed, which uses brainwave technology in a responsive way to give a person a little buzz, <laughs> literally, when their mind starts to wander to help them refocus and hone their attention. I'm giving you the positive use cases dog. because what I don't want the reaction to be is let's ban this. You have, you have failed. You have, if that's, if that's your goal, Miss, you have failed. Ban it. Sorry. Yes. Yes. The old uh, story of Pandora's box, I think, would be really appropriate if some of our uh, bureaucratic, technocratic that's, government. But Matt, that's WEF. That's over, over in, that's over in Davos, right? Like that's, that's on the other side of the world. That's not, that's not here, right? That's not Canada, home of the free. Hmm. Right, our true north, strong and free. That's not here. Yeah, because we've never seen anything implemented in Canada mm -hmm. from the WEF. Oh wait, we have, yeah. and that uh, this is uh, this. Uh, let me read the Canadian Biotechnology Strategy, the CBS. Is Canada's plan for emerging field the emerging field of biotechnology that supports and complements the regulatory and research activities of various federal departments and agencies. The CBS is rooted in the late 70s when a task force composed of industry and academia was set up to determine how to facilitate the potential of new recombinant DNA techniques that were coming out at the time. In 1983, the National Biotechnology Strategy, the NBS, was created to develop biotechnology to enhance economic health and environmental benefits for Canadians in Canada. As an ongoing commitment to move Canada forward in its biotechnology efforts, the NBS has renewed, uh, was renewed in 1998 after extensive consultation with numerous stakeholders, including the provinces, industry, and NGOs, scientific and academic institutes, and other partners. This is also from the Government of Canada's website in an article titled Exploring Biodigital Convergence. In the coming years, biodigital technologies could be woven into our lives in the way the digital technologies are now. Biological and digital systems are converging and could change the way we work, live, and even evolve as a species this biodigital convergence may transform the way we understand ourselves and cause us to redefine what we consider to be human and natural andrew we've said it before on the program the fourth industrial revolution is not just an economic or digital revolution it is a revolution that won't only change how you work, won't ch only change how you interact with other individuals. It will change you. Mm -hmm. We've seen in videos past from the WEF and guys like Yuval Noah Harari, human beings are on their way to become hackable animals. And that's the term that they use. And this is in 
concert with this biodigital convergence to create uh to move from a analog real society to mm-hmm. a algorithmic digital simulacra of the real and, and that's not just where digital, this fourth yeah that's where the fourth industrial re- revolution in, is going in us yes, right yeah. so so you might be asking the us. question yeah. yeah so you might be asking the question audience what is biodigital convergence now again what i'm about to read humanism <laughs> what i'm about to read for you is not from a sci-fi movie mm-hmm. this we have links this is right from the government of canada website so biodigital convergence there's a whole arm of the canadian government that's funded and devoted to this here it is full physical integration of biological and digital entities Phys- integration of biological and digital entities Co- the coevolution of biological and digital technologies conceptual convergence of biological and digital systems did you, did you hear that this is i mean this is this is turning humans into cyborgs this is transhumanism it, yeah this this is this is we're not humans anymore we're now we're now androids that's what this is this this is robotizing humans now they also give now this okay this is really i when i read this the other day i kind of i thought this is this is worse than the video we just saw so they <laughs> give on the on again this is on the government of canada website this isn't this isn't silly Bob's crazy YouTube channel. This is on the government of Canada website. They You're give a conspiracy a possible, theorist, I know, Andrew. I am though. <laughs> they give a possible narrative, right? So on the website, so they say, "Listen, let me let's let's share a story, right, from the first person perspective of someone going about their day. Let's just share an and and this might be an actual story someday. This might be reality. Let's let let's share this narrative. Okay, everything I'm about to read from you is the narrative they present on the website so you're this person i wake up to the sunlight and salty coastal air of the adriatic sea i don't live anywhere near the mediterranean but my ai which is also my health advisor has prescribed a specific air quality scent and solar intensity to manage my energy levels in the morning and has programmed my bedroom to mimic this climate Everything looks all right, so I check my brain's digital interface to read the dream data that was recorded and processed in real time last night. My therapy app analyzes the emotional responses I expressed while I slept. It suggests I take time to be in nature this week, to reflect on my recurring trapped-in-a-box dream and enhance helpful subconscious neural activity. My AI recommends a forest day. I think, okay, and my AI and neural implant do the rest. While I'm brushing my teeth, Jamie, my personal AI, asks if I'd like a delivery drone to come pick up my daughter's baby tooth, which fell out two days ago. The epigenetic markers in children's teeth have to be analyzed and cataloged and our family genetic blockchain in order to qualify for the open health rebate. So I need that done today. My fridge schedules the production of more miso and some kimchi in preparation for the coming week. It also adds immune boosting ingredients to my grocery order 
because we're approaching flu season and a strain that I'm likely to be susceptible to has been detected only a few blocks away. This is the conclusion from our federal government website at the end of this story, okay? This story may sound far-fetched. However, all the technologies mentioned exist in some form today. While they are not yet commercially available in the form presented here, a world where we take the interaction between biological and digital technologies for granted is already starting to emerge. Transhumanism is here. That's, <laughs> when I read that, because of, because of where I read it, because I read it on the federal government website, that's, mm -hmm. that's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this isn't saying, even just wouldn't the this be nice? <laughs> wouldn't it be great, Canada? And, and they said, listen, they're not commercially available, but we basically have all that in some form. Mm -hmm. Some form or another, we're already there. Mm -hmm. um, so, 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 okay, we're there, right? Like mm -hmm. this is the, the crazies who've been, who've been warning about this for a while. We're there. We're there now where they're saying the technologies are there. It's just a matter of the fine tuning and the implementation. We're already in this position. It's just a matter of getting it out, getting those earbuds that may, that kind of monitor your brain activity. We're getting, getting it out and mm -hmm. make, so it's just a matter of, pushing it out right that the central digital bank currency is it's ready to go the digital id it's ready to go mm -hmm. so it's just a matter of so we're there and so the question that we want to we want to ask to finish off the episode is so what do we do or how are we supposed to think about this mm -hmm. because I mean, we're there so what do we do how do we think about that matt do you have do we have some thoughts that we want to well, share? Well, we don't want to be too lengthy because we can also push people yeah. to, to, to other other people, resources, mm -hmm. videos, podcasts. I mean, but do we have thoughts well, for our audience? Yeah. Well, first, I mean, uh, you're going to touch on it as we close up the show, but you're definitely going to want to sign up, subscribe, donate monthly, be a part of the coalition, because if you want to know about more about transhumanism, posthumanism, which is exactly what we're talking about with this last story, you're going to have to listen to our conversation that will be behind the paywall uh, with Scott uh, Masson, a, a friend of the show. This is really important stuff. I remember, Andrew, um, I was in a, psychol a biblical psychology course and Rush Dooney was doing a presentation on kind of where the um, kind of the secular idea of anthropology of who human beings are, which you articulated through this kind of Darwinian evolution theory where it was going to go. And he started talking about transhumanism. And I'm pretty sure at the time my eyes glazed over and I was like, whatever. I didn't really pay attention to the last part of the, the podcast, but the crazy part is to see now more and more um, in the last 
two years, especially we're being thrust into this fourth industrial revolution. And I'm not speaking hyperbolically and tons of kudos to um, guys like uh, Michael O'Fallon at Sovereign Nations. If you haven't checked out what he's doing, you have to go over, check out what Sovereign Nations is doing. Um, And men like uh, James Lindsay over at New Discourses, they talk about at length how this is where we're going is these global technocrats um those in power at the wef the the which is essentially a power brokerage um across the the globe they are specifically going towards um implementing these technologies so they can get to they can overcome the issues that have plagued societies in the past. So they see fascism and socialism as of two, uh, two sides of the same coin um, that they're trying to dialectically synthesize and merge into one perfect society. So fascism is you kind of have this outer veneer of a free market system, but behind the, the scenes it's being controlled in conjunction with this public private partnership. So you have this outer veneer socialism. It's the exact opposite. It's the inverse relationship, um, especially as it pertains to China, right? They have this communistic exterior, but it's actually the kind of market system that works underneath the economy that allows them to have this top down, you know, communist controlled state. So they want to merge these things. Uh, And essentially they're saying to beat China, you have to become like China. Therefore, if Canada wants to compete, if the United States wants to compete, if the West wants to compete with what's going on in China, you have to adopt what they're doing with the social credit scores and implementing all this biogenic technology. That way, we as a government can track all the the stuff that's coming to pass, right? Because there's a huge knowledge problem, which we've talked about on the the program about command and control economies is that a a small board, even of the greatest minds in human history of eight to 10 social planners, um, a council of elites, let's call it a Soviet. That's what it is in, in Russia. They do not have the aggregate knowledge that 7 billion people interacting with each other in a free market economy has. There's just no way you can replicate that. But here, Andrew, is where new AI technologies will help bridge the gap. So finally, we can realize uh, the heaven on earth, this uh, great babble. We can finally build it because we have the right technologies that will allow these central planners, these central globalist bureaucrat technocrats to be able to monitor all this information that they're taking off you. And that is the goal. So what we have to do right now is we have to make ethical judgments on how much convenience we how much we value convenience over freedom how much we value comfort over freedom because again that's what we said convenience comfort that's the carrot the stick is tyrannical technocratic control over all of your your life 
And that's the real big question that I think we need to struggle with today. And as far as different solutions, I know you have plenty of those. You like to think of the application of kind of what we're talking about, Andrew. So maybe you have specific solutions as well as it pertains to what we've been talking about. Yeah, I think one thing is a mindset thing. Uh, just like just be ready to be inconvenienced. Just prepare. Just prepare to embrace inconvenience um, because the alternative is compliance, control, monitoring, and tyranny, right? That, that, that this, is, this is what they're using. This is what they're holding over us to get us to comply. This is how they drove such a high percentage of people taking the jabs. You want to go to movie theaters. You want to go to restaurants. You want to travel. You want to go on vacation. You want to visit people out of province you want to do all these things you got to get the jab and there were some people who were like well no i'm i'll be inconvenienced i won't go watch a movie i won't go out to a restaurant it looks like i won't be traveling where i want to go it looks like i'm not going to be able to visit friends in another province so be prepared they're using convenience as justification for their tyranny so in your mind say to yourself if you're listening to this if you're watching this in your mind, you need to say, I'm, I need to be ready to be inconvenienced. And as they begin to take away comforts and pleasures, I need to be okay with it. And part of that means surrounding yourself with other people who are not only encourage you and build up your faith and help strengthen you, but be there for you and provide for you in, in, in the days ahead. But just let convenience go and be ready to be inconvenienced and uncomfortable and just have that be a way of life. And then eventually you'll get used to it, right? I really didn't, I realized after a number of months, not going to a movie theater wasn't actually the worst thing in the world for me, right? Not going out to a restaurant, okay, that's fine, right? Like it's get used to it. That'd be the first thing. The second thing, and Aaron Rock touches on this in his podcast is think about your spending, right? The reality is there's some things you just can't buy with cash just because of the way things go. But try to use it as much as you can, as much as it's possible. Withdraw some cash and use it. Use it at certain places, right? And so just, just think about that, right? Think about not having a purely digital online life in terms of your spending. I would encourage against that. One, again, because you're getting used to it. But two, because all you're doing is feeding the monster that gives all the reason for them to grow it. The third one is this, and this is a serious one. Um, this is one that I've been encouraging people in this, this way for, for a while now. Think about where you get your food, right? Think about where you get your food. Think about your community. Think about provision and thriving. If you can get to know farmers and local farmers markets around you, right? We have people at our church who do their own eggs. I'm connected with a farmer who does meat and other stuff as well. Think about where you buy your food because again, it's, it'll be a matter of convenience, it'll be a matter of cost, but it'll also be a matter of what you may and may not be allowed to do. So think about, again, where you buy your food, where you source things, think about gardening, think about provision and self-sustaining, like really take that seriously because unless you live in the heart of like Toronto, and you have to travel quite a way. And by the way, if you live in the heart of Toronto, get out of Toronto. Okay. Like just get out of Toronto, 
Go, Unless you where, want to live where, in a 15-minute district. Well, yeah. Where, where, where would I move then? If I'm in the heart of these cities, where do I move? Let me know. Email me. I can I can help you figure that out. But but the reality is unless you're there and then you, we're talking hours, in most mm-hmm. places, it's not that long to get outside of the city to find a farmer's market, to find local farmers who are selling stuff that have their food stands or their food trucks you know, off the side of the road. And you might think that's an inconvenience. You bet it is. You need to start doing it. It's going to cost me more. Yeah, it is, but it'll be worth it, right? It'll it'll be so. Start to think about that. Be less dependent upon just being able to go to the grocery store and buy whatever food you want for a couple reasons. One, cost going up. Two, uh, you you just may not be able to have the same ease. You might not be able to just go to a grocery store and say I'll get this, this, and this anymore because of shortages. And three, if that's a convenience they take away from you, unless you comply with their control mechanisms, what are you going to do then? So get it's like listen, kids in kindred go. This more life also. Yeah, <laughs> it's time to toughen up a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. I think we've all we're all we're all lazy, fat, apathetic, and complacent in terms of the comfort and convenience. I think it's time for us to toughen up a little bit. Right for us to to discipline ourselves and have those around us help to discipline us. Get used to being inconvenienced. Get used to things being a little more difficult. Get used to doing a little bit more of your own work. Like because you trust me, you're you will support. be better. Yeah, you'll be much better in the long run if you do that. And like Matt mentioned, yeah, you need to think really about think about support. supporting us, joining the coalition because you're not. You're not going to hear a lot of this stuff in many places. And the truth is, you know, even as we were researching for for the episode today, there were a lot of people that were that had videos on YouTube. It was a lot of speculation. They might have said similar things, but they didn't provide receipts. They didn't have actual links. They didn't have documents. They didn't have the firsthand stuff. You're, you're not going to hear a lot of this other places. And so consider supporting us so we can continue to do this work to bring you the real nasty nitty gritty truth of what's going on in our world, how you're supposed to think about it, how you're supposed to respond to it by supporting the work that we do at LCC. It also allows us to continue to push back and fight good legal battles like the Josh Alexander case. It allows us to do advocacy and be involved in the political realm, in the social political realm. Like really, so so you're going to want to join the coalition. We're going to be unveiling a little bit more Bit by bit, we've already talked about those four exclusive hour-long plus interviews that we have behind the paywall already for those who sign up when we go live. I'll throw one little tidbit out now as well. Um, We are working with our friends over at Resistance Coffee to put together a limited run roast. And when I say limited run, I mean by the time we go live with the coalition... (laughs) you'll have a two or three week period to purchase this limited run roast. And when I say limited run, I mean, I've talked to the guys at resistance. They haven't sold it yet. No Mm -hmm. one on the world will get the beans that they have in their warehouse, except for the people who purchase freedom fuel. That's what we're calling it. Our, (laughs) our roast, our limited runs, hyper exclusive limited run roast, Mm For those who sign on with the coalition in the first number of weeks, we'll get a bag of freedom fuel as a part of your membership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're definitely going to want to be be signing on early so you can get those exclusive things. We're also doing 
merch with uh, Carpfide. We're doing uh, some benefits from the Ezra Institute. Uh, like you've mentioned, Resistance Coffee Company, they're partnering with us to do a lot of other things. And you also get access to the Antichrist and his ruin and all sorts of behind the scene extra bonus content here, not only at the Dispatch, but at uh, Mike's show, um, Open Mic with Michael Thiessen. Uh, you're going to have access to new shows um, and also to some behind-the-scenes stuff as it pertains to the Liberty Lounge and all those other things. So definitely you're going to want to check that out. Get excited for it. And we're going to encourage you to join the coalition in the coming weeks here as we continue to unveil that uh, whole program. And we do ask that you would prayerfully consider supporting us in all that we're doing, whether it's legal advocacy, especially um, as it pertains to our case with Josh Alexander right now, go over. If you have not signed the petition to stand with Josh, um, share it with friends. Uh, I know the story is getting covered a lot of different places, but we do need help um, as we're fighting this battle, not only for Josh, but for those who will stand on truth in the public sphere as well. And then we also have a myriad of various initiatives and then news and commentary as well. So we would just ask that you would support us until next time, dear friends, Galatians five, one. Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and rumble channel as well as visit our website at www.LibertyCoalitionCanada.com. Friends, we're posting new content multiple times every week throughout our various shows on this channel. So you're going to want to subscribe to it and hit that notification bell. That way you stay up to date with everything that we're releasing here with the Liberty Coalition Canada.